Once I began to understand it myself, and I began to research it more myself, I got big aha moments and went, okay, that's why that happened. That's why this person didn't manage to get over this. That's what's going on there. So I was joining the dots together. Welcome to this episode of Finding Your Range podcast with me, Jeannie Debon. I'm your host, and this is the podcast that talks about hypermobility, EDS, and chronic pain. And today we're joined by um, Dinah Siman um, from Menopause Pilates. So you can guess what we're going to be talking about. Um, uh, and I'm um, really excited because we're going to have a real learning experience today. And um, before we delve into the details and the questions, I'm just going to read you a little bit about our guests. But thank you for joining us, Dinah. Really excited to have you here. My pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me, Jeannie. Oh, no, you're, I'm really, honestly, I'm super excited because, um, as many people know, I, am, I talk about this in, you know, in a lot of my stuff, but I'm also going through the menopause, so um, a personal interest to um, what you're going to be talking to us about today. Um, so let's hear a little bit about you. Um, you've been teaching movement for many years and you started with jazz dance and aerobics in the 80s. And then you move through to Kalinetics, to Pilates, to the Franklin Method, gyrotonic, yoga, and meditation. So lots of things. Um, and you've been teaching Pilates in the Cotswolds in the UK, where you live, since 1999 and opening your own studio, Contemporary Pilates, in 2001. But you've also studied myofascial anatomy, um, fascial fitness with Robert Schleip, um, and you're a meditation teacher. That's amazing lots of things but during all your years of teaching and um, um, experience a big curve of your clients have been menopausal women and so the menopause and we're going to hear about all the things you've been doing um, in relation to this but as you say the menopause can be a time of enormous opportunity if we can feel empowered through education and awareness and so menopause pilates your your company is an integrated approach inspiring women and teachers through movement and education. That's fantastic. How interesting. You've got an amazing background, haven't you? <laughs> it's been a busy old time in the past 20 years or so. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and um, you know, like you say, this is a great, great opportunity, isn't it? Because we all, obviously it comes to all of us. Yeah. Um, and yet until recently, I don't really think the menopause was really talked about very much. You know, when I, you know, I remember my mum, who you know, you know, is no longer with us, but when I was around 13, 14, she was going through the menopause and, you know, she had these patches stuck on her thighs and, um, and I just remember, and she'd have hot sweats all the time, but she was incredibly moody and, you know, pretty, pretty nasty at some times. And I was thinking, oh my God, I don't ever want to go through, you know, I'm dreading that. I, I had this real yeah. fear about it because yeah. of what, what I'd seen and she'd be complaining about it all the time and I was like this is horrendous I don't want any part of this but <laughs> here we are um, and I'm enjoying the menopause myself we shall say yeah. so um, so we've heard a little bit about your background um, why did you choose to focus on this particular speciality? Um, well I think it's been something which I've been aware of for so long. And like you, I mean, my understanding of the menopause, my mother didn't talk about it. 
Um, she had me when she was 41. So she was had quite a late menopause in the end. But she, you know, I, I remember now when she was going through it by what was happening. But at the time, she didn't know that what was happening to her, like palpitations and dizziness, she didn't recognize that that was part of the menopause. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was no conversation about it at all. So um, in my work, in my teaching, again, like you, there was kind of this sense of, oh, the menopause up there in in the future, you you have to get through it type of thing. It's like a, a rite of passage as a woman and you just got to do it. You have no choice, but let's not think about it until we have to, because it's obviously a terrible thing. So you have that, because you've sort of gained that by osmosis somehow. It's just sort of seeped in, Um, at least in our society or where in my community, not necessarily in other parts of the world. And then working with my clients. um, Once I opened my studio in 2001, I'd been teaching in a studio in Oxford and I'd been teaching at Bisham Abbey. I've been teaching athletes. I've been teaching older women. I've taught all sorts of different people. And then I opened my studio. Um, Of course, the demographic who were coming to me in the Cotswolds were more towards the sort of 40 plus age group. Mm-hmm. So um, I started teaching more and more menopausal women. And then in 2002, we had the um, the World Health, um, the WHI report that came out, Women's Health Initiative, sorry, that came out saying that HRT was not to be taken. And I remember very clearly many of my clients coming off HRT overnight. And then I remember watching what happened to them when that occurred. And mm. the thing was, So I was clocking things about my clients as I was teaching them um, and thinking, okay, is this just the aging process? Is this anything to do with the fact that they now don't have an AHRT that or this one is menopausal or this different things that over the years I was watching Mm -hmm. Um, and I was doing like many teachers, lots of different training, as you said, you know, partly because I love movement and I was fascinated and I wanted to learn more and partly because I wanted to support my clients more. The two go hand in hand and this feeling that, you know, there's something I need to be able to help my clients with. I need to make things more accessible for them. So like most Pilates teachers, I was doing add on courses about different things, including things like osteoporosis or scoliosis and this mm-hmm. sort of, you know your course for example which is fabulous um and i wow. always promote on my training to teachers that they should be looking at your book and re and following oh, you, thank doing you. No, absolutely so you know all that was going on and i obviously got older um i had another baby and i kept working and so all this is happening and then eventually i reached my perimenopause and all the questions which I'd had, which were kind of floating around still, because nobody had sort of addressed this for me in the trainings I'd done, um, all many of them fabulous trainings, but they hadn't been addressed, mm. it all began to slot into place. Once I began to understand it myself and I began to research it more myself, I got big aha moments and went, okay, that's why that happened. That's why this person didn't manage to get over this. That's what's going on there. So I was joining the dots together. Um, and I was doing more research. I did a menopause yoga training, which was was great because it got me into thinking about it more and more. And then I um, decided to actually, from my own experience, that I wanted to not only support my clients, but support teachers, because I felt very strongly that this is something we are expected to deal with right from day one. But mm. actually, we're not given the whole picture. Yeah. So it was a mixture of experience, teaching experience, and my own personal physical experience of perimenopause and menopause. 
Mm, wow, yeah, very important. Yeah, really, really important. Mm. Um, so, so we talk about the menopause, um, but many of us don't really know what goes on. I mean, you know, what actually happens in the menopause? Could you give us a little biology lesson? <laughs> Take us back to school and sort of yeah. well, this is tell the, us what's going on. See, this is another thing I feel very strongly for women is that, you know, if you have a baby, then you're, everybody's paying attention to you. You read books about it. You're, you know, you're there, you get all the information. Yeah, when you're yeah. a teenager and you're going through puberty, your parents or your carers or, you know, your school, they're all on it. They know you're going through it. But women who are going through menopause, they're out there on their own. There's no kind of way of, of or hasn't been any way to bring this information to them. And there hasn't been the drive to do that. Um, and I think that's one of the issues that this term perimenopause, mm. most women hadn't even heard of it. I hadn't heard of the term perimenopause. It was just menopause. Everything was mm -hmm. menopause. So, you know, we've actually got puberty, pregnancy and perimenopause. We've got three Ps that women go through or any biological female. If you are assigned female at birth, you will have a menopause at some point in your life. So um, it's all about the fluctuation of hormones, the depletion of the hormones which have been with us and doing everything we need in our system since puberty basically so if you like it's the reversal of the reproductive cycle mm -hmm. so we we've, we've had a body which has is capable of reproduction and as we reach this time in our life that is going to change so menopause itself means you can no longer have children so you know it means that the hormones estrogen progesterone and testosterone have gone down to the level where you know you're not going to get pregnant any longer but yeah. the menopause itself is one day. Is um, it? Yes, it is one day. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. so, so how does that work? How does that work? I've never heard that before. Yeah. So basically it's the 12 months after your last menstrual period. Okay. okay. That one day, 12 months after your last period is your menopause. Wow. So lots of women never know when it is. No. Lots of women don't know until in retrospect. Okay. Everything up to that point is your perimenopause. Then you have your menopause that one day, and then you are postmenopausal. Wow. That is news to me. I and not know that. a lot of women think that they're going to go through the menopause. So it's yes. like, I have to go through this stage and then it'll all be okay again. Mm. I thought that. Um, and actually you go into postmenopause, you do not come out of it. That's it. Oh, I'm getting really depressed but, here. No, no, but <laughs> the thing is, it, it, it sounds depressing, but it's not. I mean, it's just that what is important to understand is that your body changes. You have a new state of being, and that is the state of being you will have for the rest of your life. Okay, so, um, you know, many women live a long time now. So it a lot depends on how your body adjusts to the change in hormones. That's why we're also individual. That's why mm -hmm. you know, it one size doesn't fit all. And it's no. just figuring out what suits you in your postmenopause, perimenopause. To, I mean, we term it menopause, umbrella term, but it's actually only one day. Mm, fascinating. And um you know, one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you for this podcast is obviously, you know, our audience mm. tends to be hypermobile, ZDS, HSD. Um, we know that the female hormones have a huge impact in our symptoms. So 
symptoms often start in either puberty, pregnancy, or menopause. Mm. And, my, and personally, my symptoms got awfully worse once I hit the menopause. And there's something to do with this change in the level of female hormones, either yeah. a surge or a decline. Exactly. It does, does something to us. Yes. Um, yeah. And people still don't really know why. There's not a lot of research into it. No, there's not enough research yet. But there's research on um, female athletes on during their menstrual cycle on the connective tissue oh, uh, and right. knee injuries. That there's that research and and that shows that according to the fluctuations in hormones, they can get more serious injury at certain times of month than at other times. Mm. Um, and we know that women um, feel more pain in their fascia than men do. That's been, that's been proven. But I totally agree with you. At the moment, it's a whole area of women's health. Um, but this is very important to look at how our hormonal fluctuations affect what is happening to us yes. um, in the body. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, I know we're going to talk about, you know, exercise a bit, a bit later, but, um, you know, understanding this more will obviously help our hypermobile um, listeners learn how to adapt maybe their exercising to cope with their menopause so that we don't get injured and um, yes yeah it's, it's a very difficult thing because um you know you don't know how well because of the nature of perimenopause with these fluctuations and you don't know when it's happening half the time you have to really try and tune in to what's happening in your body and if you've got other stuff going on that's not easy so yeah. that's one of the reasons it's it's so important to be very alert as you say to what you're doing because yes. you know you can hurt yourself inadvertently yeah absolutely okay and um we mentioned this earlier, you know, that the menopause, certainly in the UK, so we're kind of talking UK, but I'm not sure about the US, how, how vocal they are, you might know. Um, but, you know, Davina McCall in the UK, people in, listening from mm. the UK will know who she is, but she did that, was it an Instagram story or something, a post, and she was showing everyone how she applies all her different creams and, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden everyone was happy to talk about the menopause and, yeah. you know, um, how has it suddenly become important? Yeah, it's an, again, it's a very interesting point. Um, my take on it, if I think about it, so the menopause doctor, Dr. Louise Newsom, who has mm. really been the driving force at getting more information out to women. And um, I connected with her two years ago at her clinic because it's close to me. Um, and in fact, one of her doctors is my doctor and I've been in, and done trainings at her um, clinic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that she I mean, she is honestly an absolute driving force that she is so, so committed to helping women get information. And we've never had somebody who's been pushing so much. And along with Liz Earle, Liz Earle supported her with that. So she started with her Instagram. She started with her Facebook group. She really started pushing. And of course, she's got the Balance app, which is now available. And she's got the Menopause Charity, which she's set up. And all of these are pushing to get more information out to women. And um, so before we went into lockdown, that was steadily growing, but it was still slow. Um, and I recorded a podcast with her actually in during lockdown. But once we hit lockdown and more and more people were actually using Instagram, using Facebook, I think actually it helped the situation mm -hmm. that alongside 
certain celebrities writing books. So you have Davina, of course, you've got Meg Matthews, who's written a book. Liz Earle wrote a book. So it began to be a popular subject. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, the timing was right. Yeah, mixture yeah. of things came together. It's a bit like, you know, when with Pilates, you know, it had a certain number of goes at becoming popular. It wasn't until the mid nineties that actually it stayed in the seventies. Yes, yes. It didn't, it, it sort of had a bit of popularity and then it disappeared. Whereas the time is right. And I think more and more women want help. They're recognizing that they can have help, should have help. And I think as it, it, it's just a wave which has grown and different people have come on board at the right time. Um, and obviously it does help when you've got big media people who are involved. Diane Danzibrink, who has the Make Menopause Matter campaign, she's been fundamental with this um, to try and get the, th- the three elements of the campaign are to get mandatory education for GPs because there isn't any still. Really? Which is- yeah, that is a big problem. And if you think if, if that is fundamental, because if GPs have mandatory training in menopause, then you've got the people in the right places. But they haven't had it. They haven't had. To, and if you if you start thinking about that, it is mind boggling because yeah. of the number of women who will be presenting in their surgeries and they haven't had adequate training that absolutely that explains a lot from my personal experience going to my gp when i was having like night sweats and you know mood swings and things like that um trying to get some help trying to get you know something and they'd be like oh no you're too young you're too young but you know perimenopause can start fairly early for some women can't it absolutely it really can and so you know diane's campaign is to get the gps educated to get uh, menopause on the national curriculum which it is now right Um, and then she supported the bill which has gone through parliament to get um prescriptions for hrt so that you don't have to pay for them i mean you pay one a one-off prescription charge and so it was very fortunate that Carolyn Harris, the MP, was also on board with this. So it's just been a really good synergistic timing, you know, That's of different great. people coming in at the right time and spearheading and pushing it forwards. Um, and of course, the thing also is that menopause has for many years been in the realm of the gynecologist who is a surgeon, who's not necessarily a menopause specialist. And then you've got your GPs who don't have any training. So it's very, you're in a very difficult place and not many menopause clinics on the NHS around the country. So, um, cause Louise Newsom wanted to work with, with menopause in the NHS and she couldn't. So that's why she set up her own clinic um, and has then, you know, really opened everything up quite controversial for some people but you know once you put your head above the parapet as we know yeah. people are going to have a go at times but yes. she ha- she is really um uh, honestly she's so dedicated to women's health and well-being it's very um it's very very clear when you speak to her fantastic yeah well we all need we need people like that don't we to just drive these things to make change otherwise exactly. nothing will happen yeah uh, and people and people like you you know helping educate people like me and education is the key thing for me it's all about education Um, and I think that's where it's like with the work that you do with working with teachers if you don't have that information you know you're doing your best with what you know but and as a teacher you can't know everything but actually it's like with GPs menopause is is a very like that's here all the time it everybody is at some point going to be dealing with relating to a menopausal woman 
no way around it. (laughs) No, exactly. No, very interesting. Um, So while I was researching for our interview, I found some stats and you can, you know, tell me if they're if they're right. But it said that 82 percent of women experience menopausal symptoms and 70 percent of women have severe to moderate impact on their life because of those symptoms. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what symptoms are would, you know, common symptoms are people experiencing and why is that so debilitating for some people? Well, you've got the classic, which we people think about immediately, hot flushes. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a very common symptom in the West. It, it's rated as the, the most frequently cited symptom for women. Um, but it's a fascinating thing because quite often, obviously, in my studio, we talk menopause a lot. And I have clients who say, oh, I sailed through the menopause. No problem at all. <laughs> and then I say things like, OK, so how how's your sleep? Oh, my sleep's been terrible since I was in my mid 40s or late 40s. Okay, and, and what about your anxiety? Oh, I get terrible anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, things which because there hasn't been the education, women don't necessarily know our perimenopausal symptoms. Mm-hmm. And because we have receptors for estrogen everywhere in our body, as it depletes it means that anything in our body can be affected so you have this um vast range so for some women maybe they will have hot flushes for other women they they'll have hot sweats some women will have palpitations heart palpitations which are very frightening other women will have very itchy skin some will be dizzy some will faint some will have head rushes extreme fatigue joint pain, muscle pain, things which are very familiar in the chronic mm. fatigue and hypermobility range. Mm. So yes. what's similar in that mm. respect? Um, burning skin, issues, dry eyes, um, dry skin, hair, nails, all of these mm. things, gum problems, teeth problems. Um, all. Uh, what else can we go? There's a great long list of all these things. Yeah. Electric shock Amazing. sensations, vomiting, you name it. They are all symptoms. And then you've got the the symptoms connected to the urogenital health. So vaginal dryness, itching, soreness, problems with the bladder, you know, UTIs increasing. You've got pelvic floor issues. It's everywhere. Mm. So it may be, yeah, and it may be that some women just don't realize that that is a symptom of perimenopause, the fluctuations. Um, and that is one of the issues, because if you don't know, if you haven't got the information, you can't respond. Mm. Well, that's just making me think, because like you say, most of those symptoms you read out are, could, can impact our hypermobile community. So absolutely, is it that this change in hormone levels just makes our symptoms worse? So the things we were already experiencing maybe again i mean i don't it's just me thinking but it's it's a really interesting question because you can also question you know i've over the years i've taught many women who have got chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia Mm. um and hypermobile and you know well all of the chronic fatigue fibromyalgia group they are all hypermobile full stop yes Yeah, yeah um but then for a lot of them Um, having the digestive issues again menopause causes digestive issues having histamine intolerance again menopause causes histamine intolerance so you can kind of the the reduced progesterone means that you can suddenly develop an allergy so my sister for example became got hay fever never had hay fever before 
So, or something that you will, you can get more histamine intolerant to different foods as well mm. and, and drink, obviously. So it's a tricky one because if you are diagnosed with a chronic fatigue type condition at the same time as you're going through perimenopause, which is it? Mm. Very hard. Very hard. Mm. Yeah. Gosh. Yes, it is a minefield, isn't it? It is. And, um, you know, we are so finely balanced hormonally that you get put one shift in yeah. and it, it can just cause so many problems. Yes. You know, if, if you've had um, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, again, get into perimenopause, that can bring it all mm -hmm. back out again. So, yeah. so many things. Yeah. And I think, you know, people with, you know, our connective tissue disorders are very aware of their bodies anyway yes. and just are because we tend to have issues all the time so we're going to notice probably changes that maybe other people don't notice yeah. and we tend to be very sensitive so we react we've got inflammatory tissue so we react very yeah. quickly yeah. so any like you say if those hormones start to go out of balance we're yeah. going to really feel it um, yeah. so i think that could be what could be going on it's fascinating it is yeah. um so let's talk about exercise. Um, do we need to train differently or exercise differently and why? Well, we talked a bit about why. So why should we and how should we train differently? And you mentioned the pelvic floor earlier. Mm. Uh, should we be thinking about our pelvic floor health now? Um, I think we should always be thinking about our pelvic floor health. But <laughs> um, I think the thing is that your population will be exercising appropriately because they will be exercising for their hypermobility, for EDS, for chronic fatigue. And actually menopausal women can take a leaf out of your book on that because hmm. what happens for a lot of women is that they are used to doing quite strong exercise. You know, maybe they're yeah. gym bunnies or they like running. And then with the hormonal depletion, they start to get injuries because we don't repair in the same way they get the collagen issues come up and so it, they might hurt themselves and it takes longer to get better and then they hurt themselves again um, and there could be too much stress and strain on the body so if you think about the typical woman who is possibly got possibly she's got older parents and teenage children and a career on running a house and all the stresses and strains that go into that so stress levels are high anyway you add in the fluctuations of hormones that increases that more cortisol going through the system and very often they will go and say i need to go for a run to deal with mm. that but possibly then get injured and not recover so quickly so it's changing your mindset about your exercise to say okay yes I do still want to keep my strength up you have to keep your strength up because we know we start losing muscle mass and we need to maintain strength and we have to bone load because we know mm -hmm. that we start to lose bone density yeah. but you have to do it in a way which is nurturing to your body and that can be one of the hardest things for women to understand and accept and for me that's why Pilates is so good because mm -hmm. you can still you can modify to where it needs to be you can up the um, challenge to where it can get to but it's very safe and it's yeah. not stressful and actually we don't need stress in our bodies so yeah. we want to calm that down so it's often it's trying to get women to understand that slow and small is good yes which is what you're already doing anyway yes oh well, yeah. fantastic that's mm. yeah that's good to hear that mm. the two kind of marry up that's they really do good. Yeah. 
And I think combined with something like, because I want to ask you about mental health as well, um, but combined with something like meditation mm. is going to be really important, right? For calming yeah. the nervous system and, yeah. and just bringing balance back to the system. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's all about balance. And the British Menopause Society, when you uh, read their guidelines, they, they do um, endorse yoga as an exercise for menopausal women. Mm-hmm. I'd like Pilates to be in there. So I have to find a way of getting that in there because it is about having something mindful, something calming, something which works the whole system. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and that's important. Yeah. So, you know, I agree. And meditation is fabulous. One of the problems which can arise is if you're, you know, if you're, say one of your symptoms of menopause is anxiety mm-hmm. and you have extreme anxiety, then to sit and meditate, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So it's recognizing that going for a walk in nature or having a bath or doing some gardening or cooking, giving yourself time just to have something which you find therapeutic. Maybe it's knitting, maybe it's sewing, maybe it's painting. That's your meditation. Because to sit and meditate, you know, for me, I've been meditating for a long time and I teach, I have taught on a faculty teacher training and I teach it. But when my anxiety was bad and it was seriously bad, I couldn't meditate, no way. Mm So, you know, it's, it's not giving yourself a hard time about that as well. Yes. Because there's a lot of talk in the media about, you know, you should have this app and that app and you should meditate and meditation is this, that and the other. So then it's another expectation that we create for ourselves. Oh, I should be <laughs> meditating. Or I should be doing that. It's like, whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah. So, you know, it's yes. possibly lying on the floor with your legs on the sofa with some music on for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's whatever it is for you to yes. calm yeah. your system exactly and everyone's so different like you say yeah absolutely and you mentioned anxiety I remember I went to a talk at the um the CIPD I was presenting there um before pre-pandemic um and there was a lady there doing a talk on the menopause and that was the first time I'd ever had lots of information about the menopause which seems crazy right (laughs) But this was a lady who used to run a high pipe. She, I think she had her own company. She was very high powered. She was speaking at conferences to thousands of people. And then all of a sudden the menopause hit. And she said that she couldn't even get in her car and drive to work because she got so anxious about whether there'd be a parking space, whether she could do this and she'd be sweating. And, and, and obviously she had to totally change her whole life because she couldn't do that job anymore. Mm. um how can that happen how does this thing change us like it's very common Um, and this is one of the big problems that we lose so many experienced women because of menopause symptoms and very often they go to their doctor and because doctors don't have training in menopause they get given antidepressants because you know to be fair to the doctors they're confident with the antidepressants you know but they haven't been confident with hrt and you know, and again, Louise Newsom talks about this. Many people I talk to say the same thing. This has happened to them. And we really are, you know, we have this amazing, we have these women who are wise women who have experience, who have time coming up, and then they feel like they're falling apart. And again, it's all down to the hormonal depletion because it affects our brain, it affects our nervous system. And anxiety is physical, emotional, mental, the whole thing. And I can completely understand 
how she felt. I almost closed my studio. I thought, I just can't do this anymore. And the anxiety becomes catastrophizing. It gets really bad for many women, but it's the hormonal imbalance. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned HRT and I wanted to ask you about that. So the lady I was speaking about, she said that the thing that changed her life, she actually got put on HRT and all of a sudden she started to feel like her old self again. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on HRT? Because as you say, there was all that scaring about, oh, you shouldn't do it, yeah. it gives you breast cancer. And, you know, yeah. what are your thoughts? So I think that um, it's, you know, there was a lot of damage from that report back in 2002. Overnight, as I said, millions of women came off HRT. And for those of us who are in our 50s, so probably 40s to 50s, we've just grown up basically with this notion that you can't take HRT, it'll give you breast cancer. And we've just absorbed that by osmosis. Mm -hmm. And if you've got any breast cancer in your family, don't go near it, which is for me, I didn't go near it because my mother had breast cancer. And because I've had a number of biopsies and I have a breast growth, which is still there. So I thought I can't take HRT. I was sending other women to menopause specialists because I knew where to go and I recognized that I was in perimenopause, but I still didn't understand at that point that HRT is not the demon it's been made out to be. The research was flawed, basically, and the way the statistics were presented was inaccurate. And there are some really good um, reports now about what happened. And now there's a lot of research which shows that actually it was completely wrong what what we were told. So also you have to remember that it is going back to the late 90s into the early part of this century. And so the type of HRT was very different to what we use now. Mm -hmm. So now we use this type, which is called body identical HRT, and it's derived from yams. Yes, of course, it's synthesized, but its base product is the yam. In days gone by, the base, what it was made from, was pregnant mare's urine. So it was a very different thing. And oh, you wow. took, a, yes, you took <laughs> a pill. So the pill had to go through your liver. So there were more issues with possible side effects and problems. The research that was carried out, when they looked at the women who had been on that research, they had many other um things which would be considered risks for breast cancer, like being obese, like being smokers, like, you know, all this kind of thing. And the thing to remember about estrogen is that of itself, it's not a carcinogen. The issue arises when there's a tumor which has got receptors which like estrogen. And we've got these receptors all over our bodies. So sometimes there's a tumor which attracts, likes the estrogen. Mm -hmm. But of itself, it is not going to give you HRT because uh, sorry, I'm not going to give you cancer. Women have thought I take HRT, I will get cancer. It's not correct. So what we have to understand is the benefits of it as well. And everything we do and everything we take has a risk and benefit. And you have to weigh up, which is why it's very important that GPs get the training so that they can work with their patients and say, okay, let's look at your risk factors. Now let's look at what the benefits would be. Let's consider where you are. I reached the point personally where I was in so much pain and I'd got such bad anxiety and everything was so hard that I thought if I actually don't go and get something, I'm going to get ill. So even if I only take it for a short time, I have to do this to get myself out of where I'm at. Um, And again, you don't have to take it forever. You can, but it can be the bridge to get you back to your self-care 
And that's the thing about HRT, because the only way to replace missing hormones is with HRT. Now, it's a choice. And I know for some women, they don't want to take it and some women can't take it. But we're talking about systemic HRT, which you put on your skin. So you have a patch or a gel or a spray or an implant. So it goes straight into your system, doesn't go through the liver. So clotting is not an issue. And um, it's shown to actually be beneficial in terms of things like blood pressure um, and actually keeping the blood flow through the arteries. So for cholesterol issues, this kind of thing. Um, And it depends, you know, on your symptoms, really. But it's important to educate yourself about what it does for you. And it's also important to remember that it's a bridge. So for me, it meant that I got back to a point where I could practice my exercise. I could do my meditation. I could look after myself. So you still have to have all your self-care in place. It's not going to do, you know, if you say, okay, I'm going to have HRT, then I'm going to have a bottle of wine at night and I'm not going to do any exercise and I'm going to eat cream cakes, then what's the point, you know? But, (laughs) you know, it's, to me, it's very much, well, I really like the term which um, one of the doctors has started using, which is holistic HRT. It's Mm -hmm. part of your, your whole holistic treatment for yourself. And in many ways, it's a preventative form of um replacement therapy rather than saying okay when i'm older i will have to have biphosphonates for my lack of bone density and i might need statins because i've got cholesterol issues you know let's look at it the other way around so i'm going to replace the hormones so that i don't have diminishing bone density and my cardiovascular system is going well because the one of the biggest killers of women is heart disease and dementia the two together so Mm. For me, I think it's something that we need to know about so we have a choice. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And, and, and with the hypermobile population, I think it's very important that they know about it because of needing to maintain strength. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I was just thinking while you were talking, I know there are going to be people listening who, and you mentioned it, they can't take HRT because of different things going on. Are there... Um, any natural do you know natural ways that we could manage our menopause okay so there are there are ways to manage your menopause if we think about hrt you've got the systemic type which goes through the skin which goes through the whole system and then you've got what you call topical hrt and that's the vaginal hrt for Mm -hmm. any symptoms like prolapse or urge incontinence or um, pelvic floor issues or constant bladder infections urinary tract infections and the research shows that anyone can take this. So it doesn't matter if you've had, I mean, I've worked with clients who've had breast cancer, who've had um, the ovaries removed, and they can still use this because it's tiny. The amount is so small, but it makes a massive difference. Mm-hmm. So that type of HRT, if you've got any urogenital issues from menopause, please, please see somebody because it can be so helpful. And, yeah. and, and that's really important, I think, to know. Yeah. Then in terms of um, other ways to support yourself, well, there is um, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy is recommended. Um, Counselling is recommended. There's certain evidence-based inform- um, ways of managing your menopause, which are supported. Um, there are some other drugs which are not HRT, which can be given to help with hot flushes, that sort of thing. They may have side effects. Mm-hmm. But if you are a woman who cannot, for whatever reason, take HRT, but you want some kind of help, then 
absolutely push with your GP to get something, to get a referral to a menopause clinic. Yeah. And there's yeah. a really good book, which I have got here. One minute. <laughs> I'm sure like you, I've got books all over the place. Here. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. One by a doctor called um, Dr. Anise Mukherjee. She's on um, Instagram and she's an endocrinologist. Um, She's had breast cancer herself. So her book looks at all sorts of different ways as well to support yourself through menopause, because she's very clear, you know, that it's not something every woman can take. Um, There is research going on at the moment to try and find other ways, medication ways to support women who can't take HRT. Um, And of course, over centuries, women have been using supplements to help themselves as well. So, you know, the thing is that the only thing that actually replaces hormones is HRT. Everything else is about managing your symptoms. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And coming back to the exercise and, you know, that being part of our self-care, yeah. um, what barriers might, might we have to exercising during menopause and, and can we overcome them? Yeah, I mean, very often extreme tiredness is one of the problems. Yeah. Um, weight gain is another problem. Pain is another problem. So actually getting yourself to exercise can feel really hard to do. Um, And that's why I think Pilates is so good because we can adapt and modify for absolutely, in my view, anybody. I mean, you know, I teach yoga, I teach gyrotonic, I teach Franklin method. I love all of those methods. But for me personally, I think that Pilates is the middle path. It's the balanced way and it's accessible to everyone. Mm. So um, it's finding a teacher, And um, again, quite often I get contacted by women who say, you know, what do I do? And then I might Google their area and see if there's a studio. And it's about looking at who's there. And, you know, too, it's like you look at you read the bio of the teacher. And if your experience, you can tell whether that teacher is going to be a fit for this person. So it's getting people to actually be prepared to go to a studio or to talk to a teacher to not necessarily just go with the first teacher they see, but do the research. Yeah. So, and that's sometimes hard, I know, because very often people want to, us as teachers to tell them what to do. But actually, you've got to be empowered. You've got to be, it's got to be your own advocate and say, yeah. okay, these are my issues. I want to, a teacher who is old enough to understand what I'm talking about, experienced enough to know that they're going to need to modify the movement and actually somebody I relate to and I can enjoy this session so having a one-to-one and then deciding where you're going going to watch the teacher teaching really good if if the teacher says I know it's hard at the moment with with the covid conditions but ideally you would get to watch the teacher in action because then you then you know I mean I've always said to people who contact me I'll say if you want to come and watch a lesson just come it's absolutely fine because they need to have an idea of what what you're doing yeah yeah that's so listening to you say that is exactly what I say to my my clients as well don't be afraid to interview the teacher exactly oh Um, I've been interviewed so many times (laughs) it's good it's good but you know I think people are a little bit afraid like you say they they think that the teacher is in charge and they have to do what the teacher says but actually when you're dealing with these kind of issues um you've got to be able to say actually no I don't want to do that you know exactly. oh I can't do that and yeah. 
and not feeling bad about that, you know, like you yeah, say, exactly. if, if the teacher's not prepared to modify for, for the person, then they're not the right teacher for you. Yeah. And that's okay too, because you exactly. will find someone. There's lots yes. of wonderful teachers out there. Yes. Um, and you mentioned, just briefly, you mentioned uh, weight gain could be mm. an issue. Why do we put on weight? Ah, yes. Oh. The middle-aged spread. Yes. So um, the thing about, once again, hormonal depletion, our metabolic rate is affected and our digestion can be affected. Um, and we change how we gain weight, how we keep store fat, if you like. The body starts to store it around the middle. And that's mm. because in that fat around the middle, the body can make a little bit of estrogen. Oh, is that why? Yes, because we still have a low level of estrogen in our bodies, but not what we've been accustomed to. And it can it can be produced in that fat. Oh, I don't feel so bad about it now, then, if I know it. <laughs> if, it if it's there to do, you know, it's doing something, it's helping. It is, but it's also then, as we know, knowing where the fat is, is it around your organs? Where mm. is it? So forth. Yeah. So, um and of course, if you're the, the adrenal glands can make a little bit of estrogen too, as you're going through the menopause. Um, but if you're very stressed and you've got high cortisol levels, then that's not going to happen necessarily. But for some women, when they've got a lot of cortisol in their bodies, they gain weight. Mm. Other women lose weight. So again, it comes down to trying to get the system calmed calm down um and for me treatments like cranial sacral therapy are mm, so beneficial love yeah love it. it just gives you that space and you get the body back to its home yeah. and you know and it's it's all about finding that balance absolutely absolutely it is isn't it everything comes back to that balance mm. yeah oh i feel i've learned so much in this uh, chat with you it's been fantastic it's been I've a learned. pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> no, I've really, really enjoyed it. I hope the listeners have too. I've, I've learned, honestly, so much. So thank you for that. Really. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, so what, how could people, if one of people read more, I know you've told us about that book, which looks really amazing. Yeah. Um, are there other things that people can do to learn more? And how can they get in touch with you or find out more about you and your, and your teacher training, of course, that you're doing? Okay, so in terms of um, information for yourself about menopause, the app, the Balance app, is a really good app because it gives loads of information. It gives guidance on how to talk to your GP, all sorts of things, how to create a health report for yourself to take to your GP, yeah. lots of information from other women, what that they're going through. Because a lot of what we need is to hear what has happened to other people because then we know it's normal or yes. then we know how to manage it and handle it. Um, and that was great when I worked with Harley Street at Home last year, which was a Facebook group, because you really had this community discussing what was going on. And that was so good. So that's a great thing. There's a website as well for the Balance app. So you've got the Louise Newson has got her menopause doctor website with Balance together. Okay. And that's really good. Then she has her separate um, clinic website. But the Balance website and app, Menopause Doctor, is excellent. Um, the British Menopause Society, you can go on their website to get information. Um, what else could you do? You can look at the um, NHS website that does give some information. Um, and the Menopause Charity, that will give information as well. So lots of information mm. there. 
Yeah. Uh, loads of books out now. So, you know, take your pick on the books, depending on what style you like. Um, and f- for me, I've got, well, the Instagram menopause Pilates. I have my website is coming, but it all yeah. went on that burner for various reasons. But hopefully by the end of this year, it will be out. And that is oh, menopause good. Pilates. So right. the teacher training is a CPD for teachers, which is menopause awareness. Um, and it's an accredited CPD. And I've just finished teaching it this weekend in Polestar and I'll do it again for them next year. And then I run it once a month online as well via Zoom for teachers who want to do it. Oh, um, and it's, it's had really positive feedback, which is really nice. And I love doing it. So, um, yeah. Oh, we well. <laughs> well, honestly, you're so knowledgeable about, about everything. You know, you've answered all our questions so so well and um it must be wonderful i must come on your course on your online course oh it'd be lovely (laughs) i want to learn some more now Um, (laughs) well it's my passion project like i think what you do is your passion project so and i think when you have an experience which really cements your so you turn theory into knowledge basically you go ah okay and then um like you working with other teachers you think actually this this everybody needs to know this because it makes life better for teachers and for their clients absolutely oh very well said and um yeah a really lovely absolutely fascinating chat so thank you thank you for your time and um um, so that's how you can uh, find out more and i hope you enjoyed that i hope you learned as much as i did um because as we said at the beginning it really is a subject that no one was really talking about until recently so um, yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So thank you. And, um, so until next time, everyone, keep moving. <laughs>